Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back on the road. We are definitely been in the air this week. Um, we are in New York City and having a great time with a little family here with three little kids under four, five, under five. Boy, honey, you just, you forget how taxing it can be to have three little kids, the oldest one, five, and, and all of them, well, at least the first two, the, the third one, we're not quite sure the jury's still out on a little Etta, she's only a month old, but we know the other two are rambunctious children. Well, <clears throat> Etta was a gift from heaven, actually, she's the most peaceful child we've ever seen, but those other two kids, honestly, you forget, I was smiling all day yesterday, between smiling and uh, going crazy. Can't you stop that child? <laughs> <laughs> um, it really is hard. It's a hard age. Um, they are so strong-willed and they can't control their will very well. And especially on a two-year-old who has just turned three, um, I keep telling parents, you know, it's just they can't. They know what they should do, but they can't control their wills. And so um, it's just a hard time. You know, at our stage in life, Linda, we really we. We have a kind of a mix of admiration and pity for really young parents. <laughs> and one part of us says, boy, we're glad we're through that stage. Oh, man, all day is, how do we do this for 30 years or so? I mean, it seemed like forever at the time. And now I look back and I can hardly remember doing it. That's encouragement for you parents of young children or discouragement. I'm not sure which one. But um, it really is a hard time, but a great time and a formative time when, you know, things are going to happen right then that will change their lives. So we're going to be talking about young children today and about about some interesting questions of discipline. And I got to add that the, the, this whole situation here in New York City it's kind of all, you know, you've got three little baby children, all with strong wills, and it's kind of exacerbated by the fact that you live in New York City, you live in a walk-up apartment with five no elevator, five up. stories, it's a small apartment, anyone who's ever lived in New York knows, unless you're fabulously wealthy, you're going to live in a small feet, place. Although I don't think it's quite that much, but anyway. It, well, it's like a railroad car, but we admire, oh my goodness, Linda, how much oh do we admire gosh, our, our kids? Oh are amazing. How patient they are, how well they do, it's incredible. It is just marvelous, and... Uh, I have to say, I could live here in a blink just because there's so many cool things to do. But also, if you need, yesterday I went to Trader Joe's. I got a whole bunch of groceries. I paid them seven bucks, and they deliver it, delivered it to our door, and a five-story walk-up. I mean, that's worth it. Um, and anything if you want, cookies at three a.m. that are warm while you're nursing a baby, just have it on your front door at three a.m. I think you can get anything on Amazon. Amazon within twenty-four hours. Within it's just amazing. Less than that, twelve hours. Sometimes, they'll bring yeah. anything. So it's incredible. And I want to say, in case any of you notice my voice. I always appreciate doing things with you, Linda, because when one of us is a little under the weather, like I am today, we kind of rely on the other one, you know? You're going yeah. to supply the energy today. Gave a speech not too long ago together, and I had a migraine headache. I couldn't even see the audience, and I don't think anyone knew because you just picked it up, and you were so energetic and vivacious, and I just sort of 
you know, blended in and did my best. Yeah, he's, he's had a terrible cough. I'm sure that all of you have had your issues. It's a flu season. It's been crazy. But in New York City, it's 85 today, very humid. Tomorrow's going to be 61. The next day, it's going to rain all day. And you just never can tell about this crazy weather. But um, we, we have done some interesting things here. Uh, first of all, lots of fun things for kids. There's a museum down the street. They live really near Central Park. Well, the Natural History Museum, one of the greatest museums in the world. Absolutely. Two blocks away. And there's fountains that the kids can play in, and there's parks every direction. What would they do without Central Park? Oh, well, they have parks everywhere, though. It is just amazing. You can't go very far without a good park. And, uh, well, lots of grass, not quite as many as London, but it is just a great place. Well, and and I have to say the public schools, at least on the Upper West Side where we are, are really incredible. I mean, they are. You know, you walk the kids to a little school and it's in a high rise building or it's in a multi story building. And the great thing about it is that the uh, parents are so involved, at least in this particular school where our grandkids go. They have they have doubled the budget of the public school budget is one thing. The parents have come in and doubled it with their own contributions. So every single class has two teachers. And they just paid for that extra teacher. Exactly, and there two there were two student teachers when I went yesterday too. So, so four, four so teachers. So many and art exhibits and things. I mean, we know there are wonderful schools all over the world, but you think New York City, ugh, you could never raise a child here. But honestly, it's pretty awesome. And in addition, it is very different from the school site. I've been in Arizona with our daughter, daughter Shawnee and her kids and David, and and I've been walking them to school, and it's a totally different site with all those kids in their beach cruiser bikes just going, and there must be hundreds of those. They're all going to school at the same time, all hair immaculately done and so on, and then uh, all just mostly blonde. And here it is just such a looks, variety. Looks like the United Nations. It does. It's so fun to see. And the parents are just the same here. They're just you know, kind of coddling their kids, getting them to school, and then they stand at the fence and watch them for a little while afterwards. It's really fun. Well, when you think about the difference between a, a public school in the middle of New York City and a public school, say, out on the plains in Canada or in Kansas, or when you think about just in our own family, that where our grandkids all go to school, such different environments. And yet, you know, we always like to say, it really matters how how the public school does and what school you choose, but what matters more is the parents and their involvement in the education. We've seen kids who have pretty lackluster schools who come out with a great education simply because the parents are on top of it all the time. They're aware of what the kids are learning. They're aware of what the kids are not learning, and they're supplementing it. They're bringing in what they need. And at the same token, we're aware of other couples who have wonderful schools, but they're not involved enough, and the kids are sort of taking it for granted, and they're sliding by instead of really grabbing it and going for the gusto. So the buck stops with the parents. It does. And the education system, we could go on for a long time because the seniors in high school (laughs) in America – um, at once they get done, they're done, and then they just kind of do nothing for the rest of the year. And, boy, they are under the gun in Europe and I think here in New York City, too, writing essays to the last minute, testing to the last minute. But, you know, 
uh, it's interesting because it, things balance out in the end and, and everything works out pretty much. Well, and, and another aspect to that, we, we, uh, we'll get to the topic here in a minute, but we went to a wonderful musical last night. I think many of you have heard of it. Maybe many of you have seen it. It's called Dear Evan Hansen. And it's a it's a it's a brilliantly done musical about a subject you wouldn't expect to have a musical on, namely uh, the difficulties of high school and the suicidal tendency of kids and the incredible pressure that social media and other well, technology and, puts kids under. I mean, imagine, imagine a musical that tackles that kind of an issue. And you know the loneliness in high school and the. We talk so often about the refugees and so many people need help and so on, and we're sending money to Greece to a refugee camp and so on, and yet we're telling our kids, you know what, there might be somebody sitting right next to you in class at school that needs help as much as these refugees do. There are so many lonely kids. In fact, the homeless population at our home high school, at East High School in Salt Lake City right now, is enormous. There's so much need for help. There really is. So, again, I mean, we don't want to spoil the story of Dear Evan Hansen. A lot of you will have the opportunity to see that if you haven't already. We really do. But it it does involve involves some pretty serious things, including suicide and loneliness and alienation. But but the story is about hope. Oh, it's a magnificent story. If you get a chance, just go to that. Okay, so... Here's what we want to try to get into a little more today, and we've kind of hinted and led up to it. We think, see if I say this too boldly, Linda, we've been doing a series called uh, The Top Ten Parenting Ideas, and we're doing them a little at a time here on the radio show. We're doing them in our articles and so on, but we're going to start another series when this one's over, and we're going to jump ahead on it a little today. And this is a series called The Five most common mistakes that parents of small children make. And one of those, one of those five, and I, I think I'll say it and then you repeat it and say it maybe in a better way, Linda, but we see such power struggles going on among families with little kids, little strong-willed kids, and the parents are looking for a way to discipline the kids. They're, they're saying, how do I discipline this child? How do I make him obey me? How do I get him to mind me? How do I make sure that we don't have these constant yelling and screaming going on in the family? And, and the problem that many of them have, honey, is that they're, they're trying to make this up as they go along. Like the child is misbehaving and the mom says, okay, if you do that again, I'm going to have to put you in your room. Or, okay, if you do that one more time, we're going home. We're going straight home. And so it's a constant chain of threats. And then the parents usually back off because they don't really want to take the child home and they don't really want the kid to miss dinner and so on. But the point is they're making it up as they go along. It's, it's a little misbehavior. So we're going to discipline you now and we're going to threaten you with something and then we're going to try to follow through. And it creates power struggles, especially with strong-willed kids. And it goes on and on and on. It goes on all day. You know, we were out with this five-year-old and three-year-old yesterday, and 
there was a lot of power struggle going on, but then we went to the fountains over at the museum, and there was another parent there, and she was just just shaking her head. She had two little kids, too, and she said it was free donut day somewhere. Maybe it was all over New York. I don't know. But they went to the store where there were free donuts, and the line was a mile long, and they said, well, sorry, we can't do free donuts. We'll have to do ice cream or something and the kids just had a total meltdown because they got in their minds they were going to have donuts and there was no turning back and finally they just the mom just no okay then no donuts at all i mean kids no food no nothing at all and they went over to play in the fountains but you know the, the meltdowns are not fun and uh they it's just a part of life of course, we never had a meltdown oh, or a course. child that disobeyed us oh, or boy, anything oh, like that. Oh, my gosh, those are hard times. But you say to yourself, what is the alternative to this sort of ad hoc discipline? Ad hoc meaning you make it up as you go along. You, you have a problem, you try to solve it right then, you threaten or you establish some instantaneous punishment and so on. What's the alternative to those kind of power struggles and to that kind of Make it up as you go along discipline. Well, the answer is probably obvious if you really think about it. The alternative is to have a simple set of very, very clear family laws. Very simple and not more than four or five because little kids can't remember any more than that. But the key to that is, and this is not a quick fix. You don't sit down and write up a little list of five little laws and they're the ones you're going to keep. This is a process where you meet with your little children, and, and I'm going to suggest, Linda, that three- and five-year-olds, that's, that's about that's the, a good time the to early start. age yeah. you can start. Yeah. And if the kids are capable of understanding what a law is and what a punishment is, then they can become involved in establishing that law and in deciding what the punishment is. This is something you have to do through a process of several meetings, and a process of building it gradually as you go along. We're going to take a break here and come back and talk more about it, but I'm going to make you a little promise. There is a, there is a way to set up a simple little legal system in your family that basically removes all this nonsense and power struggles and discipline. And you will never have a meltdown again. So join <laughs> us for the second half. We'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back. Ayers on the Road, coming to you today from New York City, a place we love to be, a place we've had one or more of our kids living now for oh, long 10 years, time, maybe 15, a dozen years. 15, yes. And we'll miss it if and when the last one ever moves away. Yeah, that's one may be going to Japan next year, so we'll see. But we've loved our time here, and um, it, even though it is a four-story, five-story walk-up, it's for big, long flights of stairs. But it's okay. I didn't have to. I don't have to carry a baby. I don't have to be pregnant. <laughs> I do have to carry groceries once in a while. But it's really such a grand adventure. All right. So let's set the stage again for this topic today. How can parents of young kids? overcome the power struggles and the sort of instantaneous discipline and trying to get kids to behave and obey, How? what is the alternative to that? And we're proposing that the alternative is to go through a process whereby 
you set some simple family laws. Well, when you get those laws on a big old thing, on a big framed thing, something that really is impressive, and the kids know what those rules are, and they know exactly what the punishments will be if they break them. Uh, well, first of all, I think you have to decide what your biggest problems are. Right. Is it disobedience? Is it disrespect? Is it is it yelling? Yelling, naughtiness, fighting. What is it? Yeah. And so you figure out what your five biggest problems are, and then you have the kids help you figure out how you're going to resolve that. Now let me let me tell you, the kids that are three and five are not too young to get in this kind of a conversation. Here we are with these grandkids, and I was just. Half an hour ago, talking to little Zara, who's five, and I don't think she'd ever had this conversation before, but here, and, and this will make it sound like I think she's pretty smart and pretty precocious. Of course she is. And I do think she is, yeah. but I think this is typical of kids that age. I said, Zara, you know what a law is? And she said, yeah, it's like something you shouldn't do. And I said, well, like what? What what would happen if you if you... If you, if you broke a law, do you know what it is to break a law? And she did. She said, yeah, then you'd go to jail. You'd go to jail if you broke a law. And I said, well, would you go to jail if you broke just a little law, like maybe um, littering? Oh, she actually brought up littering. I said, what are some laws you know? Yeah. And she said, don't litter. Here's a kid living in New York City. And yeah. She knows about not littering. And I said, would you go to jail if you if you littered? No, she said, but I think you might have to pay some money. So I'm, I'm sitting there amazed that she understands as much as she does about laws. Yeah, and I heard her say, but people still do litter. They still do. Yeah. Sometimes I have to pick up their litter. I yeah. think it's pretty fun. And we were even getting the little three-year-old involved a little, and he was sort of getting it. He was like, a law, okay, that's something you, that's, is, I said, is it a good thing or a bad thing to have laws? And they said, well, it's a good thing because otherwise we'd have lots of problems. So this is not a quick discussion, but you begin to help kids understand that there are country laws, there are national laws, there are laws, city laws, city laws, traffic laws, traffic laws and, and you understand, help kids to understand those are good things because they help us all to be safe and they help us live together in a way that's happy and harmonious. And, and you don't rush it. You get them thinking about that, thinking about that. And then you get to a point where you're able to say, do you think it would be good if we had some family laws? And if you've done it right, if you've done a thorough enough job with the other discussions, they'll say, well, yeah, because laws would help us to, to have more fun and not have so many arguments and not have so much yelling and so and on. And know what to expect, mainly. Uh, when you break a law, yeah, yeah. So, and and one of the main things is when you decide what they really are and have a discussion with them. Maybe this takes two family meetings, or more, really even maybe more. I mean, you, you could work this on this over several months. I think to really so much better to work through it and teach the principle of what a law is and why it's a good thing and so on. And then there's a way to really flatter these kids when you get them to that point and say, now you know. You're part of our family. We're all part of our family. Let's let's create our family laws together. Right. And let's create our con the consequences of what happens when you break the law. Right. So when they're when they feel that they have ownership in what happens, and it's hilarious because they 
they tell you things that are just outrageous because when they're just sitting in a family meeting, it seems totally logical. You know, if somebody hits another child or something, you just say, okay, then just put us in our room and for two days with only bread and water. And like, honey, you're not going to want to do that when it comes right down to it. What do you think would be a reasonable thing when you hit somebody? And again, this should be a discussion. And if you don't get to the point in that first little meeting, don't worry, because you want this to be an ongoing process. This is one of the most powerful things you'll ever teach little kids is that there are laws, there are consequences, and they can help decide what those consequences are. And once they do it, it just becomes very, very powerful. Now, the closer the consequence can be to a natural consequence, the better. So, for example, many of you have heard us talk about the law of peace, by the way, if you can get a law down to one word, that's better. That's two words. Better, yeah. So the law of peace, now you've had a long discussion with the kids, and that's where we just don't want to fight with each other. We don't want to hit each other. We don't want to yell at each other. And when that happens, the two people who are fighting will go to the repenting bench. And here's this little bench. And they need to sit there, and you practice this like you always say, Linda. You you rehearse this, you role play it, so that you're in a, you're in a family home meeting, and you've practiced it so many times. And the kids have maybe practiced sending you to the fighting bench or the repenting bench, and you get it down to where it's automatic when it happens. You as a parent can say, "Not I'm the boss, and I'm in charge, and I'm." And I decided what should happen to you, and this is it. You say, we agreed. This is a, You just broke the law of, of peace, and so you go to that bench, and you sit there until... Until you have said, I have figured out what it is that you did wrong. Now, this helps. A little, this is a little bit better for little older kids, because and little kids can start doing this, but what do you think you did wrong? What do you think you did wrong? You can't leave the bench until you figure out what you did wrong. And we're not interested in you telling us what the other kid did wrong who you've been fighting with. That won't get you off the bench. You need to figure out what it was you did wrong. Um, and then you have to say to each other, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? I'll try not to do it again. We, we started out telling our kids, you have to say, I'll never do it again. But then, you know, it's inevitable. In a half an hour, they're going to be doing it again. So you, you will want to follow through. On what you say, and just say, I'll really try not to do it again, and then give each other a hug. So there's just one example. Now, let's get closer to home, Linda. Here we are, and, you know, again, it's pretty tough for grandparents to sort of tell kids, their kids, how to discipline their own children. But if you're a grandparent, you can certainly get in a conversation like we had at breakfast today with our son and daughter-in-law about, hey, you know, Maybe there's a way to get over these power struggles, and maybe it's to have some simple laws. So it kind of became a discussion well, in this little. In their defense, they've been working. They've, on they've been working yeah. on it. Yeah, and this little five-year-old Zara, she said, "Well, you know, Dean, the little brother, was standing up on the table, walking around the kitchen table, and, and Zara said, I think there should be a law against climbing up on the table.' Did she? I missed And that. I said, "Well, that's a good idea, Zara. What do you think?" The the consequence or the punishment, by the way, a five-year-old, it's interesting, five- and six-year-olds, seven-year-olds, they love long words. And, and punishment's not as actually as good a word as consequence. And if you can teach a five-year-old what that word means, you'll find out that kid will start using that word a lot. 
So I said, what do you think the consequence should be, Zara, if somebody gets up on the table? And she said, oh, I think they should have to go to their room for 10 minutes. Now, now I don't know if that's the the, uh, the conclusion you would come to. And she's walking on the table, that may, yeah. that may be great. But, you know, you try it out. You see what's going on, see what's happening, and then try it. And, and you bring it back to the yeah. point. You bring it back to the principle now. Now, Zara, well, why, why would we have a consequence? Well, because we don't want someone to keep breaking that law. Well, why don't we want them to break that law? Because it's dangerous up there. They could fall off or they could step in the food or whatever, you know. Yeah. And But but you got to be at the kind of parent who sets these laws up by asking questions, not jumping to the conclusion and trying to bring the child along with you to the conclusion. Right. Now I have a question for you, Richard, because this, this pertains to other grandchildren uh, issues. What about arguments in the car? You can't send them to the bench. I mean, there are kids arguing all the time in the back seat about, I want this and I want that and that isn't fair and sure, all that kind of stuff. Sure, sure. Um, so what about on a bus when one kid hits another kid or somebody whops a baby or something like that? I mean, you, you've got to have a little plan for that, too, because you can't always be and, by the And again, bench. wouldn't the way to do that be to, to, again, in this ongoing process of diplomacy and of working things out, teaching principles, what do you think should happen, little Zara, five-year-old, if you're, if you're uh, in, the, in the park where they are right now, they're in Central Park, and if you and Dean are fighting or if you're yelling or if um, another law is being broken, what should we do if, we, if we're not where we can discipline you, right? If we're not where the punishment can happen, write it, she says, write it down, and when we get home, we have to have that consequence. So I think kids can really, they can really get this. Now, you, you brought up a great point, Linda. What are the main things that are behavioral problems with kids? Clearly, one of them is fighting and yelling. Clearly, one of them is misbehaving like something as simple as climbing up on a table or whatever. Oh, clearly one is respect. Clearly one is respect. You know, I came from a farm farm family. I would never have dared to speak to my father uh, disrespectfully. However, I was pretty naughty to my mom during piano lessons or violin lessons. Um, I, you know, as I became a teenager... And I kind of wish somebody would have stopped me. And I think that's what they want is to be stopped because they're mad and they're angry and they don't know how to stop themselves sometimes. They want to be stopped. And so um, having this set of rules of and for respect, you know, so often when uh, our last child was a little bit more difficult because she was kind of an only child for three years. Yeah. And, uh, and so the, the respect was just, uh, an issue at our house and so whenever she would say something that did not sound respectful we would just say ah let's start over let's start over those three words let's start over you said this up in a family meeting also and do some role playing with it and so on do mother may i if you want i mean again transpose that to let's start over and um then they have that says in their mind that was not appropriate. I and you may have to start over that way to my ten mind. times, but yeah. but the kid knows you're going to start over until they speak with respect. 
Now, Linda, every time we talk about this in a public meeting for parents, they want to know, well, what do you think the five rules should be? And we always say, well, you know, you're going to figure them out yourself, and it's based on your own kids and their behavioral problems. And you know what? You may have eight. But let's, but <laughs> let's, just, end, let's just end with the five that we've found the most common in families who have set up these rules, okay? And, and we're going to give them to you in one word each. And we'd love for you to think about these and work on it with your kids and decide if they're the laws for you. Peace, respect, order, asking, and obedience. Now, peace we've talked about, respect we've talked about, order. You need some kind of a rule just where kids have to put stuff away and there needs to be a consequence if they don't. And and you can figure and work on what that would be. Asking. That gets more important as the kids get older. You don't want to not know where they are. You don't want them to turn up missing and they've gone somewhere and you don't know where they are. The best consequence for that, frankly, is the simplest. If you don't ask and we don't know where you are, the next time you want to go somewhere, the answer is no. And again, imagine all these things on a very simple, big, framed kind of a chart or picture or something yeah, we, in your in your room where the kids have learned they know what those words are even if they're too young yeah, and age. they've helped to figure out the consequences and we have had talked to parents who went home we had a guy who owned a granite company and he went and made so to speak tablets <laughs> a granite tablet with their five uh, their five uh, laws engraved on them and you know there's a lot of different ways that you can do this and make it work but we just hope you think about this a little bit more. It's always an issue with children, but it does make a difference in the long run. We encourage you to just change your paradigm. Don't think in terms of discipline. Think in terms of a simple legal system with laws and consequences. We promise you if you put the effort in, it'll pay big dividends. And we wish you the best of luck, and we'll see you next week on Ayers on the Road. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.